It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jay Rich, and this is Straight to the Bank. If it's your first time tuning in, thank you for stopping by, and I hope to have you here for the long haul. This is episode one, finally, about time. As always, you can follow me on all socials at your boy Jay Rich. And in the best fantasy football community, the All Gas Army, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Today, as you may know, we're tackling a polarizing topic in the fantasy football world about whether or not Atlanta Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts is overrated. I will dive into my outlook for the Falcons and what we expect from the top weapons in the Falcons offense. And as always, if you would like to see a full breakdown on the Falcons, just reach out on Twitter and I would happily share it with you. Last but not least, make sure you are subscribed or following Destination Devi Radio for all the great content we have on our lineup each and every week. It helps the show grow and it's the easiest way to support the DD team. Now that we got the boring stuff out of the way, let's dive into the Atlanta Falcons for the 2023 season. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on Shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. That was the great philosopher George W. Bush reminding you, do not get fooled again. And it's not to say that the Atlanta Falcons or Kyle Pitts will fool you, but if you're not paying attention and you're not tapped into the dynasty market, you very well could get fooled again. And I think this is really why this topic has been a big pressing issue for me and why I get so much hate because I continuously say that Kyle Pitts is overrated. I continuously say you should not be drafting him in dynasty because he's not going to return the value that you want from him. And people say, well, the ceiling, he was the fourth overall pick, all of this stuff. And the reality is I haven't actually dove into the numbers. I haven't really projected out what I expect of Kyle Pitts. And so while you may walk into this and you may think I'm biased, I would happily share with you all the information I have, and you can really determine, was I being unfair to Kyle Pitts when this is all said and done? Now, I would hope that you believe me that I can be unbiased and be open and give you these numbers and explain to you how I truly feel about Kyle Pitts and why I believe he may be overrated or he may not be. That will be all decided on this podcast today, and I hope you stick it through because there is a lot to know about the Atlanta Falcons beyond simply is Kyle Pitts overrated or not. Now, let's start with Kyle Pitts because it's important to give an overview of where we are starting with this tight end. As I mentioned, the fourth overall pick in the draft 
insanely high for any player, especially a tight end. Believe it's like the highest a tight end has been drafted in like 15 or 20 years. So you already look at those expectations for Kyle Pitts and you say to yourself, he's got to be Travis Kelsey to even potentially return value. And I love the prospect. He is a phenomenal talent, phenomenal athlete, phenomenal player. But the reality is, is from the jump, he has never delivered on what people expected of him. In year one, he was actually pretty good. 110 targets, 1,000 yards, 1,100 air yards, only one touchdown, 15.1 yards per reception, 10.4 fantasy points per game. Again, expectations were high. People thought top five. Wasn't quite there, but Matt Ryan, not so great in 2021. Then you go to 2022, where to be fair, he did get hurt, but he had 59 targets, 356 yards, 772 air yards, two touchdowns, 7.6 fantasy points per game, tight end 22 in points per game. Now he did have a 27% target share, 32.9% air yard share, catchable target rate of 59.3%. Wow, that is bad. Expected fantasy points up of 10.9, which is number five amongst tight ends, 2.07 yards per route run, which is great, and an 80% true catch rate because he only caught 47.5% of his targets because only 60% were catchable. So you look at all those numbers and you say, that's a pretty solid player, a pretty solid tight end. And I completely agree with you. I completely agree that everything on the surface looks great for Kyle Pitts. All the numbers are there. But when you actually dive into the Falcons and what Arthur Smith has been doing, that's when things start to get very difficult to project this high ceiling that everyone wants for Kyle Pitts. Because when you draft him, right now on underdog, he's tight end five. KTC in Dynasty, he's tight end two. I get you want to draft him high. You want Kyle Pitts. You want the ceiling. You want the longevity. But this is a year-to-year game. You could maybe say, okay, two years, three years at the max. Beyond that, we have no clue what's going on. Absolutely zero clue what's going to happen in fantasy football beyond three years, even beyond two years. I like to look year to year, maybe a year beyond. We're good from there. Kyle Pitts will be a tight end in the NFL for a very long time and probably on the Atlanta Falcons for a very long time. But the problem is, is for as long as Arthur Smith is there coaching that team, if he doesn't change his philosophy that's the reason why Kyle Pitts will be held back. That's the reason why Drake London could be held back. That could even be the reason why Bijan Robinson doesn't hit the ceiling that we expect of him. So let's start off with actually how the Falcons performed last season and why there is a reason to be slightly pessimistic from a volume perspective with Kyle Pitts. Last year, they only threw the ball 415 times. In 2021, they threw the ball 573 times, which was with Matt Ryan. And then in Tennessee, his last year, he threw the ball 485 times. So that alone isn't great. The 573 would be great. But with second-year starter Desmond Ritter at the helm, a guy who already will run the ball a little bit four times per game last season, that's how many attempts he had per game, it's not looking great from a volume perspective. This is also the team that ran the ball at the highest rate in the NFL. Their neutral pass rate was, I believe, the lowest in the NFL. So all these factors, without changing his play calling, his style is not going to lend itself to positive things for Kyle Pitts. And this is where things get very difficult when you're talking about projections. When you're talking about a guy who I believe has double-digit touchdown ceiling in his range of outcomes, I don't believe you can project that, just talking about median outcomes, what we expect, but 
If you talk about any tight end in the league behind Travis Kelsey and maybe Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts may have the highest touchdown ceiling simply because he is a freak of nature. And so we know if he gets the red zone volume and he gets the targets, he can absolutely be a tight end one for fantasy football. But when you're talking about a team that I have projected for 500 pass attempts, that's it. 500 pass attempts is like, to me, almost the ceiling for what we expect. I have him for, I think, 475, which is fine. But even on the high end, 500, 525, it just doesn't look very good for what we could see from the Falcons this season. And so when you're talking about 475, 500 attempts, and then you have to say, okay, what does that target share look like for Kyle Pitts? Last season, he was around 27%, like I mentioned, in the games that he played. Drake London was around 28%. Now, of course, part of that was bolstered up by the fact that Kyle Pitts didn't play in some of those games. So you talk about overall, what can we expect? 27% for a tight end? I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. I can't quite put him up there, but you look at what to expect. I have him for around 25%. And so 25% of 500 is 125. I have him for slightly less than that, which is 114 targets. I've talked about how I believe that Drake London is going to be the number one target. But whether you believe that or not, I think both these guys, whether you believe one is the one or one is the two, will see around the same type of volume. Again, I mentioned I have Kyle Pitts as my number two target in the offense, 25%. I have Drake London at 27%. We're talking about a difference of 10 targets over 476 attempts. Really not a big deal. At that point, it comes down to efficiency with the yards per reception. Kyle Pitts was way down last year. I have him going up a little bit this year. And Drake London, the same thing. And obviously, touchdowns is a big factor as well. So you look at that and you say, what does that mean for Kyle Pitts overall? His catch rate should be up a little bit this year. I don't have it super high, right around 58%. It's not going to be 48% like it was last year. But is it going to be higher than 60%? In his rookie season, he was only at 61%. So maybe 63, maybe 65 on the absolute high end, but he's getting a lot of downfield targets. He's getting a lot of air yards. That's going to mean a lower catch percentage overall. And so if you're going to get 114 targets, that could put him at 66 receptions, 893 yards, and then I put him in for six touchdowns of the 21 total. So around 25% touchdown share, pretty solid in terms of his reception share and his uh, target share at 25%. It's all kind of falling in line for what honestly is kind of a bull case for Kyle Pitts. And the larger issue here, and I have to give Scott Connor some credit because we were talking about this prior to me recording this podcast. I showed everyone kind of the wholesale data and what to expect. And you look at this team. I mean, look at the depth chart. Yes, you have Drake London, but behind him, Mac Hollins, Scotty Miller, Kadero Hodge, Frank Darby. Penny Hart, and then they traded for John U. Smith, who I think could be a bit of a factor because he's familiar with the Arthur Smith system. So tight end two could see a little bit of volume, but not a ton. We know this team will run through a few players. It's Drake London, it's Kyle Pitts, and for me, the big X factor is Bijan Robinson because Bijan Robinson was a very high draft pick, and we know the talent that Bijan possesses. We all remember when Saquon Barkley had 100 targets his rookie year. But in an offense that only throws the ball 475 times, even if you give B. John Robinson a 14% target share, that's only 63 targets. And I think that's pretty good. But at the same time, I also believe there's a world where Bijan could see 70, 75 targets, 80 targets. And I think the reality is, is whatever Bijan does is going to take away from the ceiling that we have for Drake London and Kyle Pitts. 
And so when you talk about giving three guys 27%, 25%, and then 14%, that's a majority share of the offense. There's almost nothing to go around. But what Scott pointed out as well, beyond simply that this is almost a ceiling comp from a distribution perspective, the Falcons do spread the ball around. And there's offenses in the NFL that don't. There's offenses that literally throw to four, five players. That's it. The Falcons are not that offense. There's a season where Arthur Smith threw three tight ends out there that got 40-plus targets. 40-plus targets to three tight ends in one Tennessee offense in 2020. That is not going to get it done in the NFL. That's not going to win you games. That's not what should be happening. You have to get your best players the ball. And I think by giving Kyle Pitts and giving Drake London 27%, 25%, I'm saying to y'all, this is a bull case for Kyle Pitts. 114 targets is a pretty solid projection and a lot of faith that they will funnel the ball to Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson. And so even with that, even with all those numbers and looking at kind of how I project this offense to look, he's still only 11.3 points per game. And that is where things really fall apart. He was, I believe, at 190 fantasy points, which was right around tight end four on the year. But in a points per game perspective, talking about 11.3 points per game, that was an Evan Ingram land last season. That's not going to get it done. That's not returning dynasty tight end two value. That's not top five. That's not top three. And so when you look at what he did and what I'm projecting, 25%. I mean, are you really giving Kyle Pitts a 30% target share in this offense? Maybe. But if we're being honest about what we expect and kind of that median outcome for Kyle Pitts, for Drake London, even 27 and 25% feels very bold. It feels very bold for an offense that shouldn't have to throw the ball a lot. I've talked about this a ton on the Wake Up Podcast. The Atlanta Falcons have the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. And for a team that already doesn't really want to throw the ball that much, that wants to protect Desmond Ritter from himself, having the easiest strength of schedule and running the ball a lot is the best way to do that. And I think you look at what I expect them to do in terms of rushing the ball, 500 attempts, 2,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, pretty solid for B. John Robinson. But if you'll allow me to segue a little bit from the big three, I do also believe that Tyler Algier will be viable in 2023. I have him for 123 attempts, 589 yards, and touchdowns are tough. I have him for two to three. I haven't quite settled on that number because the issue is Cordero Patterson scored a lot of touchdowns last year. So we know Bijan will get the ball. And if CPAT is there, he may see some goal line carries ahead of Algier. And at that point, he's a between the 20s guy. And he probably has to break a big run in order to score a touchdown. And even still, if you told me that's what I was getting from Algier, I'd be pretty happy with that. Because he's not being drafted high. He's kind of a dark horse. He's not a guy that you really want. But in a pinch, as a flex option, Tyler Algier could be a pretty solid player for fantasy. And so you're looking at Kyle Pitts, and like I mentioned, this 11.3 points per game right around that Evan Ingram land that we love to see. That's the real issue for me with Kyle Pitts is that when I'm talking about these numbers and I'm giving them to you guys, how I'm looking at it, how it could play out and what we could expect, it still just doesn't look that great for a player that we all expect to be this phenomenal talent. And if he's tight end four on the season... That's basically him returning his value, which will be great. With what Kyle Pitts has done the past two seasons, if he returned value, you should be ecstatic. You should be happy. 
And I think the reality is that he's a little bit touchdown dependent, which all tight ends are. Let's not, let's not mince words here. Every tight end outside of Travis Kelsey is touchdown dependent because the volume simply isn't there. Travis Kelsey scored 100 more points than TJ Hawkinson last year, who was tight end two. 100 more points than TJ Hawkinson, who was tight end two. Insanity. But in terms of points per game, 11.3, like I mentioned, just above Evan Ingram, but behind Zach Kurtz, behind Dallas Goddard, behind Mark Andrews, behind TJ Hawkinson, behind George Kittle, who was phenomenal at the end of the year. So that's where you start to look at these range of outcomes and is what do we do with the Kyle Pitts? Because without an offensive scheme change, without a drastic uptick in volume from not just his perspective, but the total offense and what we project them to do year over year, they're going to be run heavy. They're not going to throw the ball a lot. And even if they do funnel a 25, 27% target share to Kyle Pitts, that's still only 114 targets or so, which is good. That would be great. His catch percentage could go up, and I openly admit that. I do have it fairly low because I think he will be more downfield, but we'll see what ultimately comes to fruition. His season last year at 48% was bad, but 61% with Matt Ryan with heavy volume, we'll see what ultimately becomes of it. So I think there's a lot of things that could go wrong for Kyle Pitts, and when I'm talking about this bull case of 114 targets, eight almost 900 yards, six touchdowns, which could definitely be higher, but I only have Desmond Ritter for 21 touchdowns. I don't think he's going to throw for all these touchdowns because like we mentioned, we have a B. John Robinson, we have a Cordero Patterson, we have a Tyler Algier, and even Desmond Ritter can run for touchdowns as well. So you look at all this data and you say to yourself, well, what about Drake London? Because people want to know about Drake London. He's a guy that people are drafting high, that people feel good about. Like I mentioned, 27% target share. 124 targets for him, that 10 extra due to that extra target share, 78 receptions based off his catch rate, and 965 yards with five to six touchdowns as well. I think him and Kyle Pitts probably come very similar unless one of them really blows up in touchdown department, which of course, we're not going to project overall. But I'm basically saying these two players will receive over 50% of the passing touchdown production because we know there's going to be random touchdowns from Matt Collins and Scotty Miller and Jonu Smith may catch one. And this stuff always happens in fantasy football. This is why touchdowns aren't sticky and why we can't rely on them year over year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. But when you talk about volume and you talk about the data, and this show is straight to the bank, and the reason why I called it that is because I will rely on book numbers and use that information to our advantage. You go to DK Sportsbook and you say, I want to place a bet on Kyle Pitts. I believe that Kyle Pitts is going to have the best year of his career, and I'm taking the over on his receiving yards. 
His receiving yards is only 700 and a half receiving yards. And you think to yourself, wow, that's really low. Now it is juiced to the over. So that is good. If you're planning on taking the over, you can still take it. It's a little bit juiced to the over, but it's only 700 receiving yards. And I already told you that I have him for about 900. So that's a big discrepancy. But for a player who did get hurt last year, had a thousand rookie year, but not the number one target in the offense, in my opinion, an ascending offense, yes, but Bijan Robinson coming in, and we don't know what his target share is going to be. As I mentioned, I have him for 14%. But anything more than that will take away from Drake London and Kyle Pitts. It just will. And we have to accept that. Any missed time, and that 700 becomes very much in jeopardy. Because even in 17 games, 700 could be a lot for Kyle Pitts if he's not healthy. And so you look at some of these projections and where these books have them slotted in, 700, 750, 800, pretty fair number for Kyle Pitts because you're basically talking about him missing two or three games and that projection is pretty much toast. That projection is coming very close to getting sweaty and you're like, oh boy, I don't know if he's going to make it. Because unless the catch rate goes up, unless the yards perception goes up, he may not make it there in 2023. And so that for me already is concerning. Now you look at a Mark Andrews, he's up at 875 juice to the under. Travis Kelsey, of course, way up there. TJ Hawkinson, no projection for him yet. But Kyle Pitts, you know, right around that tight end five range in terms of yards. So it's not a bad spot. But if you're talking about the data and looking at the books and saying, if they think his median outcome is around 700 yards, of course he can smash that number. We all know this. But the books aren't going to put up a line that they really believe is bad either. If they really believed he could, his median outcome was somewhere in the 800 range, that's where the number would be. Now, Drake London, his over-under is 825 yards. And so they believe as well that Drake London will see more, probably see more volume and potentially have more receiving yards than Kyle Pitts. And so even if you think I'm wrong, go to a major institution like DraftKings Sportsbook and go look and see they believe that Drake London's median outcome is 125 yards higher than one Kyle Pitts. And so that alone should tell you approximately how you should feel or how the market feels about Drake London versus Kyle Pitts and why I've been continuously telling you guys that I believe Drake London will be the number one target. Now, to be fair, it's not by a wide margin. I think it will be very close. But if I was to project someone to lead the team and drastically lead the team, that man will be Drake London and not Kyle Pitts. And so when I'm giving Kyle Pitts a 25% target share, I'm basically saying he's going to be really good for fantasy because 25% is quite a bit. And he could see that, absolutely. But if it's not efficient and Desmond Ritter isn't good, he's not going to be that great. And even with this ceiling case, as I mentioned, 11.3 points per game, and on the total, that was tight end four. If he plays all the games and is healthy, he would have been tight end four last season. And in a points per game perspective, tight end six, tight end seven, right around Evan Ingram. And that's just not good enough with where you're drafting him. I think that's the biggest problem with the Falcons, is that for as much as we like all the talent on their roster, without a drastic change in offensive philosophy, it's very difficult to project them outperforming ADP. And so that's where, for me, you really lose me. If you're telling me Drake London's having a 35% target share, 32% target share, then maybe he can return on his value. But if he's only getting 124, 78 receptions, 965, and five touchdowns, that's like a back-end wide receiver two in fantasy. And for a guy who's drafted as a top 12 tight end or top 12 wide receiver in dynasty, you kind of lose me there. 
because the fantasy community is not going to react well to that. If Kyle Pitts is tight end five this season or tight end four, is he still the tight end two, tight end three in fantasy coming into next season? I don't know if he is. And so if he continually disappoints year after year for what we want him to do, simply because the volume isn't there, he's slowly going to creep down in ADP. He's slowly going to, people are going to lose faith in what he can be. And ultimately you're going to be holding on to a poor asset, a depreciating asset in fantasy football. Being in that tight end six, tight end five range, that's not good enough. We talk about wins above replacement all the time in Destination Devi now. In the Heisman chat, in the Discord, warp, 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 warp. That's all we talk about. Wins above replacement player. And when you're talking about tight ends, especially last season, Kelsey, of course, way the hell at the top. Way at the top. But once you get beyond tight end four, tight end five, it's pretty flat, and there's not a big difference between these guys. And so when you're looking at ADP for these players, like a Kyle Pitts, it's hard to say that you really should believe in him knowing that the ceiling really isn't that high because the volume simply couldn't be there. You look at a player like TJ Hawkinson and what he did in the second half of the year, there's a reason why he exploded on Minnesota because they get their good players the ball and they throw the ball a ton. Kirk Cousins is going to be one of the highest volume passers yet again in the NFL this season. And when they're throwing the ball upwards of two, potentially almost 200 times more than the Atlanta Falcons will, it's very easy to say TJ Hawkinson can have 120 targets because it's Justin Jefferson and it's everybody else. Whether it's Jordan Addison or TJ Hawkinson, one of those two guys will be number two. I think it will probably be TJ Hawkinson. And it's very easy to say of 660 targets, TJ Hawkinson can get 120, and he could probably get more than that. But when you're only throwing the ball 475 times, 500 times, there's only so much room to go around. And when you're talking about spreading that volume thin amongst three different players, because we know that Bijan's going to get the ball, we know that Drake London's going to get the ball, we know that Kyle Pitt's going to get the ball. But if all three of them get the ball and they all demand the targets, are they really going to be viable? Because we know that they can't get all the volume. That's not how they operate. They don't play like the Minnesota Vikings or the Cincinnati Bengals or the Philadelphia Eagles of last season. They don't operate that way. They will get the ball to Johnny Smith. Kadero Hodge will get targets. Mac Hollins, honestly, could be a little bit of a sleeper. He could actually see more volume than people expect. Again, I'm not trying to go crazy, but for a guy who's basically free, I have him for 48 targets, almost 500 yards and two touchdowns. Not great, but better than dead like he probably is right now. They would have to funnel nearly every target to Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson for them to return potentially on this investment like people are expecting. And even with B. John Robinson, the big thing that I think with the carries, probably not going to be too high. I only have him for 227, 1178, eight touchdowns, but 63 targets, 51 receptions, four, 437 yards, and then three more receiving touchdowns which was 16.4 fantasy points per game, which is about what Nick Chubb did last season. Tony Pollard was around the same back-end uh, RB1. Maybe not back-end RB1, but like RB7-8 territory. And I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation for Bijan. I think he will have a very good season. I don't know if we see the elite rookie running back season like we've seen in years past, simply because I don't know if the passing volume will get him there and the rushing volume may not be what people expect. He's probably not going to be a 250 
275 carry guy. That's just, again, I don't really expect that for a team that has routinely split carries and used multiple backs over the past few years. And I don't think Bijan wants that either. He wants to have a long career in the NFL. And so he's probably not going to see a ton of volume in terms of total carries, but he will get the important ones. He'll get the goal line work. He'll get receiving work, which is great. But when the question is asked about Kyle Pitts and returning that value, as I said off the top of the show, underdog tight end five. And I already said in the warp charts, when you get to tight end five, tight end six, tight end seven, tight end eight, it really starts to fall down. And Kyle Pitts would probably have to have an outlier touchdown season to really hit that ceiling. Then you take it back to the dynasty angle of us buying Kyle Pitts' tight end two, third round startup pick, second round startup pick, and then even higher than that in tight end premium leagues, where again, at least the warp chart does lend itself to some higher end assets. But if Kyle Pitts isn't returning these tight end two, tight end three seasons, I mean, I'm not expecting him to be tight end one because Kelsey's still on the field and playing. But if he's not returning that value, why is he being drafted so close to Mark Andrews ahead of TJ Hawkinson and some of these other guys? Because if you're telling me that Kyle Pitts isn't returning a top five value, I'm not drafting him. And I'm not drafting him. You all know this. I'm not drafting him. But the reason why I had to do this podcast is just to set the expectation of what we really should expect from Kyle Pitts. He's a great player. And it's not to say that he can't be a great asset in fantasy football. But when you're drafting him as tight end two in Dynasty and tight end five on underdog, you're really betting on an outlier outcome that probably won't come to fruition. I think we all would be pretty surprised if he had 114 targets this season because we do like Drake London. We do still draft him high in fantasy. We do believe that B. John Robinson is good. But the issue is the quarterback play and the volume as the total offense has shown us probably isn't going to be there. And it's going to come at the expense of every one of these players. The only one who really won't be affected as much is Bijan, and I think it really just hurts his ceiling. I think the rushing will be there. I think he'll be great. But beyond that, I don't know how much higher he can get if the volume in the passing game isn't there. Drake London, as I mentioned, probably a back-end wide receiver too with a slightly higher ceiling. What if I was betting on a guy to score outlier touchdowns and double digits? It would be Kyle Pitts. And then you talk about the actual target share, 114, He could catch more passes, absolutely. I only have him catching 66, which could be way higher. If he's up in the 62, 63, 65%, then that number goes up. 900 yards receiving six touchdowns, very doable, but in my opinion, still a bit of a bold case. And the sports books reflect that. That 700-yard median isn't very high, but it's also not crazy either. And so when you're setting a line like that, and it's 125 yards below Drake London, That's a bit of a problem. But the thing is, is that fantasy people don't look at this. They don't look at this stuff and say, well, you know, they're wrong. There's no way. He's got to be way higher. That's what they say. They just make excuses. They just say, oh, no, Kyle Pitts is phenomenal. He'll be better than that. He'll be better than that. He's got to get the targets. Who else is going to get the targets? I'm I'm outlining for you who's going to get the targets. It's Drake London and Kyle Pitts. But when they're getting, you know, almost 250 of the 475 targets available in this offense or expected targets in this offense, that's a lot. That's massive. They have over a 50% target share that I am projecting in this offense. And how much more can you really expect? How much higher can this number really go to where we're like, that's still reasonable? And I still don't know if even this is reasonable. I don't know if I should maybe be dropping these numbers down a little bit. Because this, as Scott pointed out to me earlier, this is truly funneling the targets to three guys. And when you have such little volume 
it really makes that difficult. And so as phenomenal of a talent that I believe that Kyle Pitts is, you look at what Arthur Smith has done. We know they're going to run the ball. You look at the strength of schedule, and I believe it's like 41.5% win rate from the previous season is what their opponent's schedule or strength is right now. Dead last, or dead last in the NFL, or look at it the other way, the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. A team that loves to run the ball with a quarterback that's shaky at best going into his second season after only starting four games last year. This could be a slow start to a team that I think can be really good, but it doesn't mean that they're going to return value in fantasy. And I think this is where you have to look at the wholesale perspective with the Atlanta Falcons and say, we love Kyle Pitts, we love Drake London, we love Bijan Robinson, but is there really enough volume to go around for these three guys to where all three of them are viable? And the reality is probably not. And the two casualties are going to be Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Because Bijan's always going to get his carries. He's going to get receptions out of the backfield. And it's just, what does the target share and volume look like for London and Pitts? In my opinion, London is still number one. But Pitts is a very close second. And I'm funneling 52% of the targets to those two guys, which is a lot. Some teams, you will see it. But on the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith particularly, you don't see that very often. You will not see the top, t- the you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three be too low on the depth chart. When he had Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, both saw 90 targets. And that's, again, on another low-volume offense in Tennessee in 2020 that only threw the ball 485 times. That was when Ryan Tannehill had an outlier season and he threw 34 touchdowns. That's the big difference, is that in that big season for Tannehill, he only threw for 3,826 yards, but he threw for 34 touchdowns, and that was huge for the upside of all the players involved. We can't expect Desmarida to do that. The Atlanta Falcons only threw for 17 touchdowns last season. That's just not good enough. That's not going to lend itself to this crazy volume and upside that we expect of a Kyle Pitts, of a Drake London. And this is where everything kind of falls apart for both these guys, is that we love them, we love the talent, but if the volume doesn't change, the OC doesn't change, the head coach doesn't change, we may never see these super high-end seasons. And so it begs the question, Why are we holding on to these assets in Dynasty? If you have a Drake London, you can easily flip him for a Jordan Addison Plus, probably. And like I mentioned, the Minnesota Vikings will probably throw the ball 650 times this season. They just got rid of Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook ran the ball a ton. He caught passes. Alexander Madison will be fine. But if Jordan Addison walks into that offense, he should see 100 targets. Adam Thielen had 120 targets last season. And he was awful. Like, he was terrible. But you look at what they have on offense and Addison could easily walk into a 80 to 100 target role and from a target share perspective, 15%, 16%, 20%, that would be great. And I think you look at that and you say, well, Devontae Smith, 900 yards in his first season, broke the Eagles rookie record. You may look at him and say Jordan Addison could be that in year two. But if Drake London comes out and only has 950 yards on 124 targets and five touchdowns and finishes, you know, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 26, and that's if he's completely healthy all season long, completely healthy all season long, and he returns back in wide receiver two value, he's not going to be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. Nope. That's not happening. Marvin Harrison Jr. comes in, steps in, boom, he's ahead of Drake London. He'll be probably wide receiver five. And that's it. So then you look about what the regression could look like from a value perspective, they're probably going down. Kyle Pitts, probably not going to walk into next season if he only has 900 yards and six touchdowns as a dynasty tight end too. 
He probably falls behind a few guys. And I think the question remains is, and this is where we're projecting a little bit, and I kind of want to know your perspective as well, is will Brock Bowers or Kyle Pitts be the more valuable dynasty tight end in 2024? And I don't mean at the end of the season. I mean before the season even starts. Brock Bowers is a top 10 pick in the 2024 NFL draft. We all love him. The analytical profile, the talent. He's the best thing since Kyle Pitts. And there may be people who may say he's even better than Kyle Pitts. But if Kyle Pitts doesn't return this season with the volume that he's going to see this year, the target share we should expect for a talent like Kyle Pitts, but the total volume is too low, will he, will he still be valued ahead of a Brock Bowers in the 2024 offseason after Bowers is a top 10 pick in Dynasty Leagues? That's the big question. And so when you talk about is he overrated, the answer for me is no. Kyle Pitts as a talent is not overrated. But when you look at the situation, the volume that we expect and should expect from a Kyle Pitts, he may be being drafted at his ceiling in fantasy. And that's the big problem. And why you have to really look at these situations very detailed or you're going to miss things because we're too focused on the hype and the value and the upside of what could be for Kyle Pitts. And I totally agree that it's there. We all know if everything hits for Kyle Pitts, he could have the greatest season for a tight end in NFL history. And I truly believe that. And Kelsey's had some crazy seasons. Gronk's had some crazy seasons. But I do believe that Kyle Pitts could put up a top five, top three fantasy season of all time in fantasy football. But he's probably not going to do it in this Falcons offense. And that's the key takeaway here. Overrated as a talent? No. But when you're talking about draft position, value in dynasty leagues, probably a little bit overrated. And that's why you have to look at the situation. You have to analyze everything. And I hope you guys learned something. Because the reason why I do this and the reason why I look at all these numbers is so I can truly assess it on a neutral perspective. When you look at a team that hasn't thrown the ball that much, that runs the ball over 500 times every season, that team's probably not going to change. Arthur Smith is probably not going to change. Desmond Ritter is not going to get this offense to change because he's not a great quarterback either. He's not a quarterback who's going to go out and light the world on fire to where Kyle Pitts and Drake London are getting all these targets. That's just probably not going to happen. And we have to set those expectations early because that's how we become better fantasy and dynasty players. And if you're betting on Kyle Pitts and you want that over 700, honestly, it's a pretty good bet. I don't hate it. I'd run to the ticket on that. I even may throw, throw some money on it because it's just too low of a number. And if he's healthy, he should absolutely destroy that number. And should he be 125 yards below Drake London? Not in my opinion, because I only have them 70 yards apart. And so that's the big difference is that you look from a betting perspective and say, should he hit the over? Absolutely. But in Dynasty, where he's being drafted, in KTC, where he's being drafted, tight end two, tight end five, it's just a little bit too rich for my blood. And if I can pivot off of him and sell, I don't think it's a bad move. Because if we're three years in and Kyle Pitts is best season in points per game is like tight end 11, that's just not going to get it done. The touchdowns have to come. They have to come in 2023 because the dude literally has three. He's got three touchdowns his whole career and it has to be higher. It just has to be. Six foot six, red zone monster, they have to come. And I believe they will. I'm not trying to say that I, that I don't think they can. They absolutely can. And I've said this repeatedly on the podcast already. 
The Falcons will be a better team, but when you look at their outlook, their strength of schedule, their projected pass attempts, the volume, and the three weapons that need to get the ball, I just think it's a little bit too much. And so as Mr. Bush said, just don't get fooled again. Do not get fooled again with Kyle Pitts. I'm not saying don't draft him. Just know what his ceiling is and act accordingly. That's all I can ask. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure to drop us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the podcast, DD Radio, because it helps the show grow, helps our creators out, and helps us out. This is the best damn podcast you're ever going to have. Make sure you tap into Chase and Cody tomorrow. Make sure you tap into Gina Nike on Thursday. Make sure you tap into 4D on Friday. It's going to be a great week, y'all. It's going to be a great week. And of course, the king of college, Mr. Ray G on Saturday. Everyone giving Ray G the love. It was a great podcast. So make sure you tap in for that. Until next time, follow me on Twitter at Rich, George W. Bush. Take us out. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on, shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. Fool me one time. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Can't put the blame on you. Fool me three times. Fuck the peace sign.